You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind Omni's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music. I love that music. I'm pretending like I just heard it, Um, but I didn't. I'm your host, Brent Simmons. In the studio with me today is Andrea McFitty. Say hello, Andrea. Hello, Andrea. Well done. Thank you. So, Andrea, you are a user experience designer at Omni. And that means, um, uh, among other things, you put the award winning into award winning here. You, you've won design awards on your own. And Omni has, of course, won a few Apple design awards, too, over the years. So I'm just curious. Is that award winning thing? Is that a thing you wake up? As soon as you get up in the morning, think, what am I going to do today to win another award? <laughs> <laughs> um no. <laughs> no. No, okay. Well, I that's uh, good. I tend not to think about awards and what I do. That's um I mean that's it's it's uh exciting when that happens, but that's not 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 why I do what I do or why I find satisfaction in it. Um those awards that you mentioned that were mine, they were they were grad school days. Uh those were team projects, I should note. Mm-hmm. Some fantastic people at the University of Michigan, um, which were a lot of fun, but but no, that is not what drives what I do. Oh, okay. It's money then, right? It's yes, the fabulous, exorbitant fabulous, salaries. Yeah. yeah okay. Art majors, man, we rake it in. <laughs> That's right. Every single art major ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Good point. So do you, do you have a general philosophy of UX or perhaps Omni has one that, that you might be interested to talk about? Oh, man. UX philosophy. That's a huge, huge That's area. a huge, vague yeah. general question. So... I think I'll start with Omni. Omni, unlike uh, unlike many places I've been exposed to, UX isn't just a department. It's it is it is in the fiber of the company. Like I've never seen or worked with a team where uh, every department seems so invested in getting it right and and uh, questioning the design decisions that we do and um, really pushing for that aspect of the software to improve. Um, it's a different sort of sense versus some places where you work where they, they trust you are the designer and you know what you're doing. Great. Ship it. Like, mm. wait, no, ask questions. I'm not, I will never get it right on the first try. <laughs> oh, well, that, that's a good thing. I think and oh, yeah. part of our, part of what makes our stuff good, I guess. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that part of Omni that, uh, that I know when I sit down with a developer or something, we're on the same page about how that's important and, and they are invested in working on that part and not just the code and, Mm-hmm. I would love to help them with code, but no one wants that. Uh, and I've been glad uh, as an engineer that whenever I've had UX opinions, no one's ever said to me, hey, shut up, you're an engineer. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no, we we want to hear opinions and different views. That's that's how you get to a better answer. I like to say there are no right answers in UX, but there are always better ones. Mm-hmm. Seems like the topic of user experience and ethics has come up more and more recently. Mm. Um, maybe it just seems that way. Maybe it's always <laughs> anything. But... Uh, I wonder what you think about that, starting with the fact that at Omni, it's probably not even an issue often because it doesn't have to be, right? We're making productivity apps. Yeah, it's we're in a, a, a market space. I'm not a, <laughs> not a market, no, but right, a market yeah. space where the pressures on us aren't the same as some other apps. Like our, you know, the way we make a living is not, doesn't have some of the challenges, which is not to say that, you know, I think ethics should be 
part of of every designer's work, right? It's no matter where you are, but um, but because we have that buy-in and everyone understands sort of the importance and the role of that, I think it it just hasn't come up here um, mm-hmm. in the same ways that I've seen it in other positions where the market pressures you to have things like dark patterns or um, misleading UX or or mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, if I felt we did that, honestly, I wouldn't be here. Right? Right. <laughs> That's, no, sure. this, this, is, this is a thing I will drag a soapbox up around. I think um, a discussion about the ethics of design should be core to every designer uh, education program, whether it's you know formal or informal. What, what we do is uh, influencing how people think, how they feel, what they do. And you have to take that seriously. I mean, it, it sounds... It probably sounds a little heavy to some people that I'm stressing it that much, but I mean, when you when you are influencing people and and dealing with their private information, particularly, or just you know how they live their lives, you have to take that seriously. Mm-hmm. And so I do. Sorry, I'll put my soapbox away. Oh no, it's quite all right. <laughs> it's it's a soapbox. A lot of people are interested. Yeah, in, I, th- I think. Oh yeah. Uh, I, is I there kind that. of a maybe a core statement behind behind the ethics? Something oh, about boy. putting the user. First, or I, um, I don't know. I would never try to speak for the whole field, right? We can't even agree on <laughs> what to call ourselves sometimes or how to define things. But uh, I think keep your designs honest has to be, you know, and that can mean a lot of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's something that you need to keep in mind. Uh, think about the impacts and not just not just the the purposeful impact, but sometimes the worst fallout from design is by accident. Hmm. You know, things you just didn't consider users, you didn't consider. Um, there was a, I think it was Mike Montero told a story about uh, a woman who was outed to her family because of a Facebook feature. She was added to a group of uh, uh, for her college, and it outed her to her family. She lost her scholarship. Uh, oh, she boy. lost a place to live. Um, and if I'm mumbling some of the details i apologies it was in a talk that he gave but you know the and no one set out to do that they didn't think Mm -hmm. um you know you just you you can't see every angle but you have to acknowledge that and try Mm -hmm. (laughs) and fix it when you screw up oh sure right i mean as much in that case i don't know how you fix it but you know yeah well at least apologize in a real way. Yes, I guess, apologize right? in a real way, yeah. and and realize that not all your users are going to be uh, engaging in a on a good day or in a perfect world or in a you know or in a safe world. Yeah, it's interesting. I um, when I first started in the business in the nineties, in I I think I thought to myself, well, be a nice person, but never on a day-to-day basis even it wasn't even hardly an issue Mm -hmm. now maybe i was just young and blind or whatever Mm -hmm. but i'm i'm so glad that it's a real issue Mm -hmm. these days and that people work really hard and i I guess it takes a certain amount of imagination um maybe to come up with all the i mean to be able to foresee something like the event you just described oh yeah Uh, i i don't i don't blame the the designer that you know i don't want to say they should have thought of this but sure but, but, yeah, you have to keep stretching your brain and thinking about people who are not in your shoes. It's very easy mm-hmm. to design for yourself, but um, try to try to think about those worst-case scenarios. Try to think about right. how could this go wrong, whether on accident or maliciously, mm-hmm. um, for the design decisions you make. Omni, in, in some cases, it seems, takes that ethical approach and will even go 
a step farther. And, and an example I think I think of is um, OmniFocus syncing, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Because you, you can, we provide a sync server and you can use that. Mm-hmm. But unlike most companies that do some kind of syncing, you can just use your own server yep. instead. Yeah, I and love that, that seems like a highly ethical decision. Mm-hmm. And it would have been defensible not to support that, but supporting that too. Yeah, I I appreciate that we do that. I would say I've seen many decisions here where we are uh we actively do not want access to your data. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, you know, if we don't have it, no one else can ask for it, you know, then mm-hmm. we don't have to worry that we're going to screw up. That's that is your data and if yeah. you need it that if you need that extra level of security, you can have that and we will work with you on that. I think that's great. Yeah. And we we've toughened up later with adding encryption mm-hmm. of various kinds. I don't know the details. I'm on working on other things, but I still think it's cool. <laughs> you can talk to Tim about it later. Yeah, right. Tim that doesn't listen to podcasts. Tim Eckel. Yeah. Sorry. I like Tim Eckel because his entire name fits in six characters. That's that's a very short name. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I find it easy to type. <laughs> so when you're working on design, you want things to look good. You want them to be appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Omni's traditionally done a really good job of that. Most importantly, you want things to to work well. Mm-hmm. Now, I think there's a relationship between those two things. Oh, absolutely. But I, but I just wonder, wait, what do you think of that balance and how much of that is in conflict versus the exact opposite of conflict? Um, I mean, software, our, our focus needs to start with it being usable and that lends itself well to being attractive in a certain maybe more minimal sense i think um but i think the two tend to go hand in hand if you if you worry about how it works first uh making it look attractive gets easier if you start the other way around it gets complicated Mm, to me mm -hmm. um so yeah i like to start with uh what does this do how does it function okay now how can we Lay it out to give it a little more breathing room, or or um, give it more hierarchy and structure, so I understand it easier, or that kind of thing. Um, and it's a, it's a different aesthetic than say poster art, where you are still mm-hmm. designing for information, right. but it's a very different experience. Mm-hmm. Do you start with sketches, or go right to OmniGraphle, or how do you work? Uh, it depends on what I'm doing. The bigger the project, the more likely I am to start sketching either on actual physical paper uh, or I've been starting to use the Apple Pencil quite a bit oh, cool. um, in like, I don't know, I've got three or four drawing programs. <laughs> I'm, I'm always trying them mm. out to see which sure. one's best. The way some people shop for to-do list managers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yep. I'm trying to replicate as much of that notebook experience. Um, yeah, I have a bunch of sketchbooks in my office. If it's early on, I like the a sort of um, the encouragement the paper gives you to scribble it out and start over again. And, and you know, you're not spending all your time getting things pixel perfect. It's just get the, get the sketch out and outline things and start to bring it together in my mind, um, get my ideas together. So other things I'll just go right to Graffle and, and uh, dig in. If it's something that we're uh, redesigning or, or improving, I might take a screenshot of what we've got so that I... Mm-hmm. You know, have a base, and then I start drawing on top of it, or or pasting things together, or uh, 
building little bits and pieces and graffle, you know, mm-hmm. to lay on top of it or whatever. Um, but it really depends on the sort of the scope of the project and where we're at and, and honestly my mood for the day sometimes. Oh, sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> is it fun to use graffle to design graffle? Yes. <laughs> That's, that is, I thought so. I, right now I am, I am, uh, deep in the, the jungles of, working on uh undisclosed things for mm. graffle and it's it is my happy place definitely um gets a little meta i sometimes end up clicking on my mock-ups instead of the actual inspectors <laughs> because i get a little too into what i'm doing but uh, why is this not working yeah um but it it's this interesting kind of immediate feedback of i'm using the feature i'm working on and i can see exactly how it works now and what i wish it would do or mm. um and i mean just you know, I get to I get to work on features that I use every day, and that's that's fantastic yeah, for me. Right. You're making your your own tools. Yeah, better, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So, in doing design, you do a fair amount of looking at prior art. Well, for one thing, you look at the current version of the app that mm-hmm. you might be changing or adding to. Um, but we had um, uh, there's a change in OmniFocus coming up to do mm-hmm. with tags, and yeah. and you ended up looking at Vesper as one of your examples of prior art. Yeah, now, I did. Uh, dear listener, I used to work on this app called Vesper that was very tag heavy, and, and you adopted some part of that, I guess. Yeah. And that was really gratifying to me. I mean, Good. That, that was really <laughs> cool to be the prior art in this I, case. Uh, I had no idea that you were the prior art. Uh, mm-hmm. I was talking to some of the devs on the team, and I want to say it was Kurt, but I could be wrong. It's probably uh, Kurt. Yeah. Might have been Jim. Said, you know, you should look at Vesper. They did a lot of work with tags. Didn't mm-hmm. tell me it was <laughs> your tagging right. or not uh, until I had some of the sketches going, and they're like, oh yeah, it's Brent. So you should go talk to him. <laughs> um, yeah, that's I. I look at software pattern, patterns all the time. I own apps that I don't even necessarily have a firm use for. I just want to look at how they're handling certain interactions. That's. I mean, you don't. You certainly don't want to rip somebody off directly, but sure. there, there's a there's a usefulness in design patterns that people understand and and have expectations of how they will work. And mm. if someone has, you know, solved that in a way that's uh, that's working, yeah, go look at that. You know, I, yeah. I mean, painters look at other painters. <laughs> that's yeah, right. Musicians listen to music. Yes, exactly. Writers read. Um. There, I've noticed there are a few websites like whatever I, I forget their URLs. But things like darkpatterns.org. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's real, but but also positive examples mm-hmm. too out there. Do mm-hmm. you, do you find yourself going to those sometimes? Uh, sometimes if I'm really stuck on some weird thing and just you know banging my head against the wall, I'll be like, well, let me see what someone else has done, and that can be tricky to even google right? mm. like if oh, it's sure. some obscure design thing but yeah i do dig around i don't have one that i can refer like i definitely do this or that um uh i quite often ask people if they have an app that they know does this so i can actually interact with it as opposed mm. to looking at something on a screen that's i mean you get a visual hint but you don't get a feel for how it works right um but yeah i looking at at other people's ideas that's that's a really good way to to get out of a a slump, and it's a thing I had to learn. That was when I first started doing design. Um, it was more graphic design, but I would stare at white pages and and feel sort of overwhelmed, and and it felt like cheating to go, you know, on the internet and look at other oh, things right, or sure. to to whatever. And I mean, you know, student work here shouldn't be on the internet anyway, right? But <laughs> uh, 
yeah, I, you have to go out in the world and look at things and not just in your own field. Um, I occasionally take days off and go to the Seattle Art Museum downtown just to go look at something else you know, oh, right. for a okay. little while. Um, and I come back, you know, better for it. Mm-hmm. Omni went all in on iPad mm-hmm. and uh, all in on iOS nowadays. So mm-hmm. now you're designing apps that have to work on Macs <laughs> and on these little devices yeah. and on these mid-range devices. And there should, I guess, be some amount of consistency, but the platforms are different. How do you, how do you approach this? <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a... It's a fun challenge. I like my job to be hard. <laughs> it's a fun challenge. Um, I mean, when we first started, um, the general we here, designers, I think, started moving things into iOS apps. We felt like we could offer a pared-down version of a desktop app, and that is no longer the expectation, I would argue, that people want you know, the, all the bells and whistles just in their pocket because that's sometimes that's the only computer they carry, right? Mm-hmm. I know lots of people don't even have laptops they just use their phones or their ipads or whatever um so we've had to to struggle with how do you get all of that stuff in a little space uh, we quite often say in design there's there's too much software in our software right <laughs> we we're putting full featured productivity apps these aren't you know you can't put four tabs and be done because right. there's too much stuff there right um i quite often if i know i'm gonna have to do both, for example, um, when we were looking at a redesign of out, uh, Outliner, thought about the phone first because that's the hardest uh, sure. format. So little space. Yeah, yeah, so tiny and there's so many buttons and um, trying to figure out how to put all of that functionality in um, in a way that's that's still accessible and usable. And, um, and then when you go to the larger format... <laughs> You've solved some of those problems, which is great. And it feels like suddenly I have so much space. Look ah, at all this toolbar. Right. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, and there's there's different, obviously, expectations and use cases and things for, for Mac or a larger format. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I try to, to shoehorn into the little space first because if once right. you got that, you, it's a better way than trying to shrink everything down. Right. That makes sense. Which is also fun, but yeah, <laughs> tricky. All right. Our iOS apps, it seems, have to adapt more to size differences than Mac apps do. Yes. In general. That's probably just a general statement, I guess, for everybody. But as an engineer, I like working on the Mac. <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah, there's it's a certain amount tricky. of freedom there. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you still have to worry about, well, not everyone uses an enormous monitor or right. uh, it's a thing we try to think about with um, graphical inspectors, you know, what, what sort of setups are people using with oh, a laptop sure. yeah. versus multi-monitor setup, things like that. But yeah, you definitely have more, more room to breathe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we have a couple reader questions. Ooh. One comes from our Slack group. Okay. See, see we've, We've gone live now, so I can ask the internet for reader questions right. or listening questions. Thank you, listeners, slackers. So, Rosemary Orchard, she asks, what's your favorite little thing you've done? Um, and maybe it's a small feature or just something that took little effort, but what's oh, your man. favorite? Um, this changes probably every week because little tweaks are sometimes the most rewarding things. Uh, I love things that are what feel to me, because I didn't have to code it, quick fixes that take the burden off support. So if there's, for example, uh, we have a, it's not pushed out yet, but we have a, a an alert that comes up that was uh, 
not as clear as, as we were hoping for the, on the first pass and uh, we're reworking it um, and that should cut down on the number of people who feel intimidated or confused by it. Um, it's perfectly harmless, but but the way it's worded looks mm-hmm. confusing. Um, okay, I don't I don't want to give too many details. Oh no, that's fine. It's not but, out, but but yeah, anything that that can um, free up a little bit of time for people on the team and serve the users better. That's like a double win. I'm I'm right. super happy. Um, just any little thing that's like, oh, this wasn't. A feature people could find, and now they can find it, or mm. you know, just small things like that, where it's like, yeah, I, I put in a little bit of effort, and now our users are happier, sports happier, everyone's happier, great. Cool. Another listener question. This one's from Twitter. If I have limited time with a UX person to help solve a problem, what can I do beforehand to help? Uh, bring her a chai and a baked good. All Wait, right. no. Uh, okay, that does work with me. But I would say put your your UX thing, whatever it is, software, app, um, board game, whatever, whatever it is, in front of a real human that's not you and hasn't worked on it. Um, it doesn't have to be a high-tech setup. I'm, I'm a firm believer in shoestring budget user testing. One or two people can tell you a ton. It doesn't have to be a drawn out purpose. And sort of flush out a few questions where you feel uh, that, that yeah, that people were uncertain. So then you have some things for them to to narrow in on and talk to you about. Um, I mean, the a designer can give you some insights, but it's not a replacement from hearing from the real people that you're trying to target. So, a, a, you know, even a 20-minute session offered to buy somebody a burrito or, or whatever, which is what we used to do in grad mm. school, bring yeah. them in and say, hey, look at this. What do you think? You know, how would you, how would you interact with this? What, what, uh, what parts are confusing? Mm-hmm. That, that gives your designer a jump start of, okay, let's, let's look at this. Let's rework that. Hmm. But, yeah, baked goods. Baked goods, definitely. All right. So before you came to Omni, mm-hmm. you were at you were a Michigan State art student. Yep. And in prep, you were telling me you were a typist at the library, <laughs> and they shanghaied you into making their websites. Yeah. And then uh, before you know it, you're a UX designer. Yeah, it was sort of a weird little whirlwind. Uh, for undergrad, I did go to Michigan State Fine Art. Um, and like all college students, I needed money. So mm-hmm. I, a friend worked at the library, she said, hey, it's a great place to work. We're hiring typists. This is the dark ages of OCR. Um, so they were hiring students to type out uh, copies of really old cookbooks. They have a huge collection of cookery um, down special collections so that they could digitize and add metadata and things as a grant project. Um, so they needed people who could type. I can type. Great. Yeah. Amy's like, yeah, I listen to CDs and I type all day. Okay. Uh, so I went in and talked to uh, Ruthann, who's a, a librarian there, and interviewed with her. And she said, "Well, do you do you have any other skills?" And I thought, "And well, um, I was I was kind of a computer nerd kid, so I had learned some photo editing and I'd learned some HTML to make a website. Said, yeah, I've made websites before, and I know Photoshop." And she got so excited, mm. and she's like, "Come with me, come with me." And I, What's going on? I just I'm just here to type. Uh, and she drags me into uh, Michael Seidel's office, who was the director of the department, I want to say. Uh, and they start talking rapidly about things I don't understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they're like, great, you're hired. And by the way, we need somebody to make websites for grant projects for the library. Would that interest you? Uh-huh. Uh, 
which is great that it did because I was a terrible typist. I can type very fast, but it's not accurate. <laughs> um, so they moved me into making grant project websites. We did uh, digitizing cookbooks is one of my favorite. Uh, also the super old veterinary medicine books, uh, scanning and taking photos and putting those up. Um, they have a comic book collection. We put stuff up. Orchids. You learn all sorts of weird stuff when you work with special collections. It's fantastic. Uh, poisonous wallpaper. Poisonous wallpaper? Yeah. Let me click on that. What's poisonous <laughs> wallpaper? Uh, they have one of the only remaining copies of a – I think U of M has the other – of a book. I want to say it's called Walls of Death. It's <laughs> a collection of – wallpaper that came in this really interesting green and i think it was painted with arsenic so obviously wow. you don't want this book circulating yes it's it's down in uh special collections the pages are sealed it's very safe but yeah i got to go take pictures of it to put up on the website wow it was pretty fun um <laughs> yeah so i i started working on websites for the library and loved it and spent honestly spent more and more time there and less and less time on some of my studio work <laughs> for yeah. fine art <laughs> Um, I did graduate, folks. I did. I did manage that. But uh, congratulations! <laughs> I was working with a lot of librarians who started telling me you should really check out the University of Michigan School of Information. And I said, one, I'm a Spartan, hmm. and two, I don't want to be a Wolverine. No, 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 no. I, I'm. That's that's just weird. And I don't want to be a librarian. I love librarians. I just it's a hard job, and I didn't want to do it. Um, and they're like, no, no, check it out. And they seem to know things about usability and all these cool user research methods. So I finally looked, and they're absolutely right. Uh, the School of Information course catalog was full of all sorts of things that I had sort of been, you know, touching on the edge of. Um, I don't think I even knew the word user experience quite yet. But, yeah, I, I ended up applying and going for uh, human-computer interaction. Cool. Did that answer the question? I don't remember where it was. I don't remember what it was anymore right now, um, <laughs> but it, it, that answered it. We're going to close off talking about dogs. Oh, good. So you My have favorite. a dog, Oliver, who yeah. comes to work with you three times a week, yep. right? Yep. He comes in a couple times a week. Uh, the rest of the time he is at daycare because he's, um, he's very busy. He's either part husky or part border collie or something mm -hmm. busy. Now, since my name is Brent, I have to say he's a good dog. <laughs> He is a good dog, But Brent. he is a good dog. Yeah. <laughs> He's very smart. I don't just say that. In my notes, I have in quotes, and we're going to have to explain this. And this will probably close the show. In quotes, it says, embezzling puppies. <laughs> now, where does that come from? Uh, so when I interviewed at Omni, much to my surprise, they called me in for an interview. Um, Around 2012, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, they asked me, I believe Molly asked me if there was anything that they could tell me about the job that would make me not want to take it. And I, what I was trying to express mm. <laughs> is that it's very, very important to me, sort of the, the ethics of the place I work and, you know, the, the standards they hold themselves to. But what came out of my mouth was, well, if I found out you guys were like embezzling puppies or something <laughs> and... And I think there was some murmuring about exactly <laughs> what that meant, whether the puppies were being embezzled, right. if they were... We're all nerds, right? So we're all like, yeah, puppies are terrible with their finances, <laughs> so it's really easy to take their money. Yeah, I yeah, I, I crossed my metaphors or my crimes or I don't know, something, but... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but if you're being mean to puppies, it's bad. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah, then right. it was right out. But good news, Omni <laughs> is very nice to puppies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah. 
so here I am. But yeah, they they strangely called me back after that weird interview. <laughs> Charmed, I'm sure they were by that. So they they had to call you back. Guess it turned out. <laughs> wow, you heard it here first. Omni does not embezzle puppies. Absolutely we not. Don't steal money from puppies. We don't steal puppies from other people. No, we do treat a lot of puppies. Keep a jar of treats in my drawer. Yeah, it's important. Well, thank you, Andrea. How can people find you on the web? Uh, Twitter is probably the easiest. Um, I am A. McVitie. It's A-M-C-V-I-T-T-I-E. I will warn you, it's a little bit of UX, and it's mostly adorable dog photos. Mostly my own, Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. other Omni dogs. You can see actual pictures of Oliver. Yeah, he's pretty great. He's a good dog. He is. I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. Thanks, Mark. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music. Music.